welcome back to Map the Maze. So this week is the last week of Atomic Divorce Habits, and I wanted to try and put together some of the ideas that we've talked about into kind of a summary, like a plan of action, if you will, that could be helpful if you are working through your divorce and separation, if you've maybe have divorced and separated, but think it would be worth looking at, can we change some of the habits that we have in place? And here's, I guess, what I think are the key points that might be helpful for people who are trying to change some of the habits that they may have as co-parents. So the first thing is have a game plan. I mean, it's kind of, I guess, that saying you don't, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. But having a plan, particularly around habits, is really important. One of the things that I think James Clear is really helpful about explaining is that this is not about willpower, that people who seem to be really disciplined about going for that morning run or getting stuff done in a timely manner, it's not because they have better willpower than other people, it's because they have better systems. They have structured their environment to give them the best chance for success. So whether that's leaving your running shoes next to the door in an accessible place, having your running kit placed out the night before so that when you wake up, it's the first thing you see. Those systems are what helps them to keep going. That if we just rely on willpower, that's a really hard prescription for anyone to make. So what are some of the things that he talks about? I think one thing that he talks about, which is really interesting and that is obviously true, but we don't really think about in these terms is that our habits shape our identity and the converse, our identity shapes our habits. So instead of saying something like, I'm somebody who, you know, wants to, is trying to make this co-parenting thing work post-separation, change that. Just changing the statement is a way of telling yourself, I'm changing my identity, that then my habits are going to change, to I am someone who is working at co-parenting, positive co-parenting. I am working at communicate. I am someone that communicates well with my co-parent. I am someone that co-parents well, that has put systems in place. So starting to think about things in a more positive way. He also suggests making positive statements. I will, whatever the behavior is that is relevant for you at the relevant time, again, whatever that is, in the relevant location, if that's also something that's important. So for example, you know, I will at parent-teacher evenings behave in this way, whatever that is. And actually making those positive statements is a way of framing your identity because it's no longer in the sort of the Yoda terms, I'm going to try. It's this is who I am. I am the person who goes to parent-teacher evenings and has a constructive approach and constructive communication with my co-parent regardless of what they're doing. I would say one of the things that is hard is that this is not a unilateral project, it's kind of a bilateral project. But the way that we are impacts the way that others are with us. So to use an example that doesn't come from the co-parenting world, but comes from my work experience, I worked on a trading floor for 11 years. And when I started, I was working with a whole number of really that didn't really change, it was the whole way through. But at the beginning, I remember working with a particularly challenging group of sales traders. And one of them in particular, I just found every time we had an interaction, it was hostile. It was 
he seemed aggressive and unpleasant and pushy and ungrateful for anything that I ever did to help his clients get organized. And it just felt, it felt like I was never going to get better. And it felt really abusive. It felt like the relationship was abusive. And I remember going to do a um, meditation training with a monk who I, and I was really not suited to it, that I I'm not one of those people who can sit and quiet their mind. I need to be doing something, whether it's painting or walking, I can't just sit. Anyway, he realized this and he said, well, let's think about one thing that you would like to really change going forward. And I said, well, I'd love to change this because I find this makes my work day really difficult and unpleasant. And I'm finding it really upsetting having to constantly work in this hostile environment with this sales trader and he said how lucky you are which really didn't feel lucky but he said how lucky you are that he is there to teach you all about your limits because it is rare that we get to learn things new things about ourselves and he is giving you a gift and I have to say didn't feel like a gift <laughs> that I wanted but I tried to take on board what the monk was telling me. And he said, what you do is when you go back to your office, because sadly you're not going to stay here in this incredibly calm, peaceful, beautiful place. You're going to go back to your work life. When you go back, try and view him when you're interacting with that sense of gratitude that actually what he's doing is teaching you something about yourself and that that is a rare thing for somebody to be able to give you that gift. So I was skeptical to say the least. And I remember going back and thinking, well, this is never gonna work, but I'm willing to give it a go. And for the next month, I actively, every time he came over to my desk, every time I had to go and speak to him, I would engage with that thought that the monk had given me that I needed to treat this person with a sense of gratitude and I needed to change the way I was behaving. And then something kind of miraculous happened. Nothing had changed in terms of the context of our work environment, but I had changed. And that was enough. That was enough to change the way that he responded to me. By the end of that month, we were working really collaboratively. And when he left a couple of years later, he was a friend in a way that I had never believed would be possible. So, you know, I would be in meetings and he would say, oh, you know, stop giving Sarah a hard time to the other sales traders. And I just remember thinking, wow, this is powerful. I have to say it was exhausting and it took a lot of focus. So you can't do this for everything, everyone, all the time. But if you're trying to find a way to co-parent more constructively with your co-parent, as you separate and divorce, in the aftermath of your separation and divorce, I think it's worth giving it a go, changing the way that you are to see if you can, over time, change the way that they are. And definitely there is this idea that it's the interactions that we're having, that there is something about the way that people interact which leads to conflict. And if one person de-escalates the conflict or steps out of the conflict or doesn't engage in the conflict, it changes the quality of that interaction. I'm not saying it's always going to work, but the rewards, the potential rewards from having the conflict be over are worth it.
are at least worth giving it a go. So what I'd suggest is actually try, try and engage with making this about your identity. I am a cooperative co-parent. I am a constructive co-parent. I co-parent constructively as a change to your identity. Having a plan for in this event, I will do this. When they come for handover, I will behave this way. When I drop the kids off at their house, I will do this. When we meet, um, if we meet in the street, this is the plan. The other thing we talked about last week is habit stacking. So if there's something that you already do, so perhaps you already maybe check your child's school diary for any notes from the teachers. If there's something that you see that's maybe handwritten that isn't gonna be electronically sent to all parents, you could stack on top of that. After I've checked the child's diary, I will let the co-parent know if there's any information that they need as a way of stacking those habits because that type of communication is incredibly helpful in building, rebuilding those bridges of trust between parents. The other thing that um, James Clear says, which I really think is helpful is, we don't rise to the level of our goals, we fail to the level of our systems. So this is this idea about willpower isn't enough, that actually you need to be building, putting yourself in an environment, giving yourself systems to enable you to succeed. And that can be difficult, but I guess what I would suggest is, we need to think about that kind of reference to the Goldilocks principle, things that are gonna stretch us enough to challenge us, but not overwhelm us. So building those baby steps to better communication or better behavior or better boundaries. He also talks about tracking progress as an incredibly helpful way of monitoring and motivating, because if there's one thing that he makes very clear is that we continue to do things to have habits because on some level they reward us whether that's a shot of dopamine, whether that's we get a feeling of satisfaction, whatever it is, the habit is there because we've built in a reward. So that idea of being able to track your progress to say, yes, I did that habit today. Yes, we had a good communication. There are lots of parents I know that have little sticker boards for kids where if the child does all of their chores or does their homework or brushes their teeth without being asked, whatever it is, they get stickers. It's a visual tracker of their progress. And he talks about how important it can be to pull that in. Now, I appreciate it's not for everybody. Um, from my perspective, I think it's a really helpful tool. So even if you just have somewhere in a diary that you mark down, you know, good interaction today, tick, and you can start seeing we're building it up. This is becoming the habit, the habit is becoming constructive co-parenting. I think I would say it's work, it's really hard work. And I see parents going through their mediation, starting that work, trying to find a new way to interact from when they have been in relationship, when they've been under the same roof. And it's never easy because everything before has been organic. They just kind of evolved from the reality of their family. And now people are actually ask to sit down and think about, well, what should this look like? And it can be hard, not to mention the fact that as people divorce and separate, there can also have been some really negative interactions and some really bad behavior can have triggered a lot of really negative feelings on both sides. So I guess what I would say is it's hard, I'm not saying it's easy, but I think this is another way of thinking about how do I build into a co-parenting relationship that works for my children. 
that's a little bit different. And for some people, I think that different emphasis, the different lens is actually helpful. So if this is something that kind of resonates for you and you think, you know what, I can see this as building habits and then understanding that these habits become my identity, that my identity and the way that I interact will stimulate changes in the other person's interactions, even if they don't know that you're doing habits or your habit stacking. I think it's really helpful. It's another tool. There's no, um, as we often say in mediation, there are no magic wands. Uh, there are no magic tools. Not everything works for everyone. But I do believe this idea of creating habits and using that as a way to build those baby steps towards a better co-parenting relationship is a way of thinking about it that I think can really work for some parents. And I guess what I would say is, that little story that I just told about what it was like in my workplace, it doesn't even have to be both of you are on board with this idea that actually changing one person's way of behaving changes interactions. And I think that's a really powerful message that you can't change them. Absolutely, that ship has sailed. If it was even possible while you were in relationship to change the other person, that's gone. But you can work on changing the interaction that you have with them so that it's less stressful for you, less upsetting, more constructive, less toxic. And I think those are goals that are really worth working towards. That if you can acknowledge, respect the fact that they're your co-parent, but also feel like it's not this dreadful ordeal every time you interact with them, that will pay dividends not just for you, but also for your children. So have a think about it. And if you're interested, I would definitely recommend checking out James Clear's book. So I hope those ideas are helpful, interesting, something to think about. Um, as I said, no magic wands, there's no guarantee everything works, but I think some things are worth giving a go, particularly because the wins can be so great for you and for your family. So take care and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. <music>